Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good middle of the night. Welcome back to Cases of Color. I'm your host, Randy Baum. I realized that I hadn't been saying who I was, so I want to make sure that I'm saying it. Anyways, very quickly, you guys, if you don't follow me on Instagram, what are you doing? You need to join the party at Cases of Color on Twitter, at Cases of Color. Hit your girl up. But I really want to take a moment to do two things. First thing I want to do is give a shout out to whoever shared my episode on Spotify, episode six about Kendrick Johnson, to be exact. Thank you. I don't know who you are, but thank you. You guys, Cases of Color is at almost 20,000 listens. And I am just, I'm shook. I am shook. I am shook. I cannot express how grateful I am to everyone who's taken the time to enjoy my content. And not just that, but I realize every person that listens to this podcast is hearing about an injustice and might even set them on the path to seek justice for these people. And for that, I am abundantly grateful. So I want to say thank you. Second thing that I want to do is shout out my mother. My mom is the reason that I love true crime in the first place. I remember watching shows like Unsolved Mysteries and and getting really into crime stories. And I remember my mom being big on watching the OJ trial and, and reading books about different serial killers and things like that. And I was always so intrigued. And it's something that me and my mom have been interested in to this day. And if it wasn't for my mom, I would not care so much about these type of things. My mom also let me know about injustices to black people and solidified my identity as a black woman and as a Latino woman. And for that, I just want to say thank you to my mom, because if it was not for her, I would have never done cases of color. She is the one who sparked my interest in true crime and my passion for it and my passion for justice. So, mommy, I just want to say thank you. I love you so much. Case of color would not be here without you. All right, now that I've gotten that out of the way, let's get to what you came here for, a case. So this case is a little bit different than some of the other cases that I've done. This case is what I like to call half solved. And I say that because they've come to some type of resolution, which we'll talk about in the end, but there's still some questions. Actually, really, there's lots of questions. So I want to go back to 2016 and talk about a 19-year-old woman named Bridget Shield. Bridget Scheel was 19 years old at the time of her death. She was an aspiring model and she lived in Atlanta, Georgia. A little bit about Bridget before she was murdered is that Bridget grew up in Washington, D.C. She was raised by her grandparents. They absolutely adored her. Her grandmother is seen in multiple interviews speaking out about how awesome Bridget was. And she is described as being a live wire and about being also being very dramatic and very outgoing. She just had a lively personality and she was somebody who people just love to be around. But as happy as she was, she also had things that created a lot of low points for her, specifically her mother and father barely being in her life, if at all. And also she dealt with a lot of bullies when she was younger. She was a more heavy set girl and people gave her a lot of problems for that and really tormented her. And because she was tormented so badly about her weight, it led to some other bad habits, i.e. her skipping school and just hanging out with people who were in the complete wrong crowd. And as her grandmother said, she was just making her life more dangerous and more dangerous. So when Bridget asked to go live with her mother, her grandmother 
was very supportive of it. She thought maybe Bridget just needed a fresh start and that, you know, going somewhere new, going to Atlanta would be the best thing for Bridget and that it would give her a chance to start over and make new friends and restore some of that lost confidence. And honestly, it really did in a lot of ways. Bridget started to lose weight. She started to get in shape. She started to model and sing and try to really find her place in the world. And according to her grandmother, she wanted to be successful and she wanted to have everyone's attention. Unfortunately, though, as she was finding herself, she was also finding her way into other really bad situations. Bridget was putting herself out on ads on Backpage. If you are unaware of what Backpage is, Backpage is a website where people would post profiles as escorts offering sexual services and other things of that nature. And she would post things about, oh, I make every encounter special. I'm aiming to please customers. That was kind of her her zhuzh on Backpage. And the sad part is, is after her death, her friends and family were asked about it. And nobody who was close to her knew that she was even doing it in the first place. And that's the crazy part. No one really knew what was like, why was she doing this or even was aware that she was doing this in the first place. And even when they're asked about it, they can't even figure out why she would do it. It's, it's honestly one of those mysteries that because Bridget is gone, no one will really be able to answer those questions. So her grandmother believes that Bridget's boyfriend at the time was behind her doing that. And she believes that he pressured her into doing it. Her boyfriend's name was Kevin Kenny, and people did not like them together. He was much older than her. He had been in and out of jail, and there were police reports showing that there there was a lot of domestic violence going on. Bridget made a phone call uh, months before stating that not only did she want a restraining order, but that if he found out that she called, that he would kill her. And she declined to press charges shortly after that call for reasons that are unknown. But two days after that phone call, the cops came back to the house where she lived with Kevin because apparently Bridget and the mother of Kevin's child, uh, Brittany, got into a physical altercation and actually both women went to jail. So apparently Kevin had the mother of his child in his life while also having Bridget in his life. So much so that Bridget was living in the house with him and Brittany at the same time. They were all living under the same roof. And one of Bridget's friends claims that Bridget was pregnant and that she was afraid to tell Kevin about it. And she said that, you know, it was a few weeks before Bridget was murdered. The autopsy came back and said that she was not pregnant at the time. So either that was some type of rumor or maybe it was a pregnancy scare or maybe she terminated the pregnancy which we'll talk about that in a little bit. So now that you know a little bit about Bridget, let's talk about what happened to her. So the night that Bridget died, she was up to her normal activities. She was on Snapchat, taking photos and videos, dancing, something that's not abnormal for somebody who is 19 years of age. She called a friend, and after that, there were reports that she was seen being taken through the park. And there was even some footage showing her at a convenience store in her vehicle, but she wasn't the one driving the vehicle, and it was two black males at a gas station. And around 01.30 that evening, someone called 911 stating that they heard gunshots at the park. Two days after her body was found, her car was found 20 miles away from where she was. It had absolutely no signs of evidence of who was in her car or that a struggle took place in the car. 
Just some information to know. When Bridget was found, she was found naked, seven gunshot wounds to her body, and she was murdered with hollow tip point bullets. If you don't know what hollow tip point bullets are, they are bullets that are meant to disperse throughout the body once they are fired. So once they make contact, they disperse. Basically what it does is it inflicts more damage, more pain, more likely to inflict a greater harm, if not death, onto the person being hit with those. So I say all that to say seven gunshot wounds is overkill. Additionally, when they did an autopsy report, some of the gunshot wounds were shot from an above angle, which means that she was on the ground already, either dying or dead, and most likely definitely in severe pain, and someone still chose to shoot her anyways. Soon after the murder, the police did an interview with Kevin and his girlfriend, Brittany. And although we don't know the details of those interviews, we do know that neither Kenny or Brittany have ever been labeled as suspects publicly or brought up on charges. Interesting, interestingly enough, Kevin actually did an interview with Crime Watch Daily. Um, so that's where I'm getting all this information that I'm about to tell you from. I want to preface it with... It was kind of a weird interview. It didn't really give me like positive vibes when I watched it. I don't know how else to describe it, but that I just did not get positive vibes from watching this interview. And for me, you know, it just seemed weird how he was answering his calmness. But uh, let me get into what was said and maybe you'll understand what I'm coming from. So they actually asked him a lot of questions and he willingly answered them. He claimed that Bridget really meant a lot to him and that the situation really tore him apart. He claims that they said he was a suspect because he was the one closest to her. But the police have a kind of different reason as to why they believed it was him. But it was because of the domestic violence in the relationship and because of the incidences of Brittany and Bridget fighting and him and her having their own issues, to include the 911 phone call. And the weird thing is, when the interviewer for Crime Watch Daily brings up the 911 phone call, he says, I didn't know she called. Wow, is, is this reality? And you can tell that the interviewer is, like, getting really pissed and annoyed. He's like, yeah, this is uh, the real thing. Like, we have it. And he, like, kind of leans forward with his hand on his chin, like that confused, perplexed face that people get about what was being said about him. And then he goes on to say that he never laid a hand on her and that he doesn't know why she would say that and that she has to be making that up. And he just couldn't believe that she would call that number and, and say those things about him. And then on top of that, he was also asked about the back page ads. Like, are you the one who put her up to it? And he said that he actually was trying to get her out of doing that and that he ended his relationship with Bridget to focus on his family because he just felt like that was best, i.e. his family with Brittany and his child. And he claims that he wishes he was there the night that it happened, that he would have taken the bullets for her, and that there's a part of him that, you know, just wishes he was there and is very regretful. Um, he cried during the interview and a few other things. And I will say, though his answers and sometimes his tone was a little off-putting, there's a, there a fraction of me that doesn't seem like he's disingenuine but I'm also still looking at him sideways at the same time if, if you know what I'm saying leave a comment in the Instagram post I make a post for every single episode so if you haven't been commenting definitely go comment but please let me know like what you think or go look up the crime watch daily interview 
because I just I just want you all to see what I'm talking about. He said that he, to his knowledge, he's been ruled out as a suspect. He actually hasn't been ruled out as a suspect. They just don't have a, a means to bring up charges on him. However, he also said that he's not worried about it because he knows that he didn't kill her. So some people believe that Kevin was a part of a gang, and he said he doesn't know anything about gangs at all. He even went as far as to say, I only know about gangs via what I've seen on the History Channel. I highly doubt that due to his record, but who am I to judge? He might honestly be telling the truth. He even called the question about him knowing about it or him being in gangs really disturbing that someone would ask him that question. And again, when he asked if he had anything to do with her murder, he said, no, absolutely not. There were rumors that before she died, she was afraid for her life and that before she was shot seven times, she, it was very clear from the crime scene that she was literally running for her life. And it really just breaks my heart. I can't imagine how afraid she was. I can't imagine all of the things that happened to her moments before she was shot seven times. So let's get into why I say that this case is half solved. I say that this case is half solved because a man named Christopher Spencer was actually brought up on charges for her murder. And here's how they caught him, though. This was in 2018, and he was actually sent to prison for a double murder. And what happens is when you go into prison, your DNA sample gets actually put into a database. And it is for things like this, so that if you've done anything else, people are able to find out and they're able to link you to these things to further closed loops for unsolved cases. And no kidding. His DNA matched DNA that was found on Bridget's body, but also DNA to a Sprite bottle that was found in her car. So even though the police were very tight-lipped, come to find out they did find different DNA, but they didn't know who they could match it to. It obviously didn't match Kevin or Brittany, so that kind of took them out of the pool. But once this man got charged for this double murder and his DNA sample was entered into the database, it pinged on Bridget Shields' murder as well. And just so you all know, um, Christopher Spencer, is he's got a lot going on. He has a kind of a history of killing since 2016. Basically, after Bridget died, he went on to kill other people. The double murder of the two teenagers and also a murder for um, two elderly people in a stone mountain which Stone Mountain is in Georgia, by the way, in a Stone Mountain home invasion. So he is a Stone Cold killer. He just is. Because to kill with no remorse, with no vendetta, just for the sake of killing, it's crazy. I mean, you have to be Stone Cold to just do that, you know? And not that killing is, is different in context. I mean, to an extent it is. But to just kill people with no motive, no rhyme or reason, just going around killing people, it's it's... It's kind of crazy. And some people might ask, well, if he had a pattern of just killing people, would that make him a serial killer? Um, They did an assessment and evaluation. They actually came back and said that he is definitely not a serial killer. But here's the crazy part. Christopher Spencer says that he didn't kill Bridget. And he also claims that he doesn't even know who she is. But mind you, DNA of his was found on her body and DNA of his was found on a Sprite bottle in the car. So this is where this becomes more of a mystery to me. Bridget showed no signs of maybe knowing him. They checked her cell phone and other things. There's nothing that comes up. So that's one. Number two, even if they found Christopher Spencer, they still don't know who the other man that was in the car with her is. 
Everyone who saw her in the car that night states that she looked nervous. She did not look happy sitting in that passenger seat. She looked a little anxious. And I say all of that to say, if that is the case, then who is that man? Who is that other man that was in the car? What was going on with Bridget? Did she know them? Did they maybe see her alone, lone female, and see her? Did she had a vehicle and try to stick her up and rob her? Maybe sexually assault her. And that's how she got away. That's why she was running for her life before being gunned down and brutally murdered in that park. But at the same time, my only question is, and not that this is uncommon, he's already doing life in prison with no parole for the double murder. Why, why wouldn't he admit this if he did it? You, and, and if you get what I'm saying, please comment in the Instagram post or on Twitter so that we can talk about this. Because I, I genuinely want you guys' opinions. And that's why I'm so like social media pushing because I genuinely want to hear from you guys. Am I crazy for thinking this? Do you have different thoughts than me? Like I truly want to know. It's just if you're already doing life in prison, why not just say that you did it? Even if you don't want to tell them who the other person was. Because, you know, for some people, there's a street code, unfortunately, in cases like this. Why wouldn't you just admit it? You're already in prison for life. And that's the part that is just not sitting well with me is what is the motive? Who is this other man that was in the car? And why is he saying that he didn't do it and not admitting to it? I just I have a lot of questions do I think that his DNA on her body and the DNA on the Sprite can- Sprite bottle in her car are two very linking and damning things? Absolutely. And do I think he was there because of those two things? Yeah, I do. I'm just wondering why he won't admit it. And also, who is this other man? So, you guys, this is the case of Bridget Shield. This is where we're at so far. If I see any updates, I always post that to my Twitter. So please just keep an eye out and please let me know what you think of this case. Why is he not admitting it? And who is this other man? Like, who is the other person that was in the car? I just, I have so many questions. And if you're wondering from what I found, um, Spencer has not been linked to Kevin the boyfriend at the time. He's not been linked to him. And even her grandmother said, you know, when they asked her, does this bring closure? And she said, no, because I don't know why he did it. And I, I want to know why. I, wa- I just want to know why. And I think that's one of the biggest things in this case that always pulls at my heartstrings is the families don't know. They don't know the why. They don't really know what happened. And until they can get that closure, they can't make sense of it. So if you know anything Please call Crime Stoppers. I'll put the number down below and let them know what you may know. I know a lot of people who live in Atlanta. Atlanta's a big city. And this was a very recent case. Maybe somebody knew Bridget. Maybe somebody knows Spencer. Maybe somebody has some information. As always, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate you all coming along with me on another journey through cases of color. Keep in mind, you guys, if you're traveling by yourself at night, I really want you to be careful and to be safe. I want you guys to make smart decisions. If you can carry a knife on you or something like that, carry a knife. Some states allow you to have stun guns. I know I have one. Pepper spray. Anything that's going to keep you safe. And if you are comfortable with a weapon, 
and you feel comfortable brandishing it. And I'm emphasizing if you feel comfortable, not if you're like rational and hot headed, if you feel comfortable, you need to carry one. Black women are going missing at an alarming rate and nobody is talking about it. And I promise you guys, I am going to be making a video specifically talking about the statistics of the rate that black women are being taken, sex trafficked and all of that. I want to make sure that I get all my ducks in a row and do all of my research. Just be on the lookout for that. It will be out um, before the year is up. I promise, even if I just do it as a bonus episode, because this is happening too often. We need to stay safe and we need to take care of each other because obviously the world is not going to. So we have to be our own best friend in these efforts. Please be careful. Get in your car. Lock the doors. Don't take time leaving your doors open, going into your trunk at night, park in well-lit areas. And, you know, I wish I could just simply say stop harming black women. Unfortunately, that is not the case and we have to look out for each other. So if you don't know about some of these things or unaware of these things, please contact me. I'll be more than happy to put you in touch with people who sell their own kits. Women that run these companies that sell their own kits, I would love to sponsor you guys on the on the pod, on the podcast and and let you all advertise here if you're interested in that shoot an email to cases of color at gmail.com i would love 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 to support and show my support for you all in any way that i can so anyways now i'm finally going to end this episode you guys stay safe out there i love you all so much thank you all for listening and i look forward to doing another episode of cases of color Thank <music> you.